Hayden. I got a bit confused there because I can't see I can't see the word record written in the top right left hand corner. And there's nothing. We are live. We are live. Is it just my is it just my eyes? Probably. Yeah. My God, what do we probably? Oh my god, you're so rude. Anyway, hello. My little munchkins. And welcome to oh my god, I sound like a woman off Jack and Ori now. And um, welcome my little munchkins and hello to episode 15 of the Jim Tonic podcast. I know how awesome. many is that? 15. Amazing. So we are smack bang in the middle of our teenage years and Today we have had our usual pre-call and we have discussed um, obviously some very uh, serious subjects uh, like where to buy a pony and uh, where to buy a pony and whether ponies need specific pillows to enable them to have a good night's sleep and various other very scientific um, things that we like to acknowledge that we are really really good at so today we're going to talk about what is going on right now which is eating disorder awareness week um it is something we have touched on in previous podcasts between us because we all uh, at that time agreed that uh, this is something well not an eating disorder but a form of disordered eating has at some point uh, been present in our lives and been something that we have uh, not so much battle with, but it's been something that has maybe made our lives uh, uncomfortable or difficult uh, at some point. Um, we agreed that we, uh, you know, we do want to make everybody aware that we are calling it uh, disordered eating rather than a specific eating disorder that we had purely because um, we are not medical professionals. Um, uh, none of us are, are qualified to actually have uh, to or give advice on eating disorders specifically. So today we're more going to talk about our own experiences and hopefully um, by sharing those with you, uh, you will you know maybe see some similarities in what you've been through yourself and it, it may be quite helpful to you um, to see where we're where we are today. So um, so yeah I think with me it's uh, I have talked about this before um, I, I can sort of remember the heady days of uh, getting all the way to probably the age of 18 without ever being um, particularly body aware. Uh, I never thought about weight or particularly what I'd look like. Uh, I, I was always uh, confident um, dressing and going out and, and, and doing all sorts of things. It wasn't really, it wasn't in my life at that point, which was, I suppose, um, quite nice and quite lovely and I think especially for a female um I mean I very much doubt it would happen to get to that age now but I think for a female to get to the age of 18 with literally no um like hang-ups or, or particular issues about themselves was 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 quite nice so um but yeah again it was uh, I have discussed this before but it was a a, a passing comment uh which I uh, I can quite clearly remember was very quickly forgotten uh, a comment on a photograph um, which had been taken of me when I was 16 uh, on a, my first summer holiday um, you know when I was very very slim very very tanned uh, I'd, I'd been in, in Portugal for two weeks so you can imagine um, you know you're 
the weather there was amazing. Um, and it was basically a, a, a throwaway comment, a passing comment by, by my boyfriend at the time, um, which basically said, um, like, kind of like with a half kind of like wrinkled nose kind of look on his face of like, wow, your legs don't look like that now, do they? few words and that was a trigger to my first kind of starting to address there was I obviously obviously had some issues and you know then you then I can remember the first thing me and my friend did we went on shakes um <laughs> I don't even know what they were we went to Holland and Barrett it was when it wasn't Holland and Barrett then. I think it was just before it changed its name and Holland and Barrett took the shops over, but it was a health food shop. And I remember going in there at lunchtime and she was she was always like a chubby girl anyway, but she didn't really ever think about it. But um, we went into this and we, we bought this pot, chocolate flavour, obviously, um, and we decided we were going to have two of them a day and a normal meal in the evening. And... That was where it started. It was that little short period of time, one comment, one box of or, or tub of this meal replacement. Uh, I mean, we know we we were regularly dizzy, uh, coming over faint at work. We couldn't concentrate. Um, but you know, you're very very young, extremely naive. Um, <coughs> you know, and you don't think that <coughs> maybe you should stop. <laughs> Yeah. maybe we should maybe not do this because I don't feel great um on top of this we, we'd started going to a gym as well so we were training on probably I don't know let's say I think the meals were about 250 calories each so I reckon about a thousand calories and you know that was when it started and I really if I look back now at the bigger whole picture um I don't think uh, I think that trigger that change in the way I viewed not only myself, but in what uh, my sort of looking at what I ate for the first time. Um, I think that only really stopped in the last 10 years. So you're talking about one comment, um, you know, that sudden awareness uh, led to probably, uh, I would say up to 30 plus years of a form or other of disordered eating. Um, uh, starting to think foods are bad, starting to think I can't eat that, starting to, um, you know, try. I mean, you know, I can remember the bodybuilding days I've spoken to about when I was doing the, the shows and mm -hmm. stuff like that. I was drinking distilled water. I was buying it from Woolworths. It was distilled water to put in kettles because I was told it would keep my sodium down, which would stop me retaining water. Wow. Yeah. Um, it just, wow. I, I would have a half a tin of tuna, and you know, a small tin of tuna, half a tin of tuna and half a jacket potato for one meal and the other half of each for my second meal. I mean, the bodybuilders don't eat like that. Madness. But it, it, it became like an obsession. Like I couldn't eat anything that filled a small plate. Mm. It had to be little, 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 little amounts of food because psychologically I could cope with that. I mean, I would say I'm going to bring you sort of up to speed like now um, is that I have such a, an amazing, healthy attitude towards food 
and towards what I put in my body is because you know I understand food I've gone I've gone mm. away and I've turned turned this whole thing around by by one learning about the human body um learning about what my body needs at various stages along the way um you know I now understand that food is units of energy and your body doesn't actually recognize what each food is you know it doesn't go oh my goodness why are you eating a croissant your brain does um but your actual body doesn't know it's just a unit of energy and I've learned so much about that um that it's completely changed the way I view my eating habits um from the point of view is now I have respect for my body and respect for what my body needs and my heart and my lungs and my liver and my brain um and I will now provide you know my body with what it needs to survive and mm. I think in more so in the last year especially um it's brought that to the sort of forefront if you like that's what we need to be doing we need to look after this you know this body is this is it there's no like well hang on a minute can I like you know take it back to the range and get a refund and get a new one and that's not going to happen is it you know it's like <laughs> well I'm not happy with this one I messed it up you know yeah. um you, you, you know I kind of made a bit of a boo-boo about five years ago and now it's all in a big mess and I, I if I could just start again that'd be great you know um and I and I do the most important message I I would like to share uh when it comes to if you do feel you are what I would say a disordered eater whereas you are you know you've got little obsessions and you know you're not really comfortable and relaxed around food and allowing yourself to enjoy it and have fun um you know that the most important thing to do is get educated and mm -hmm. you know find out what works for you and what you need uh, depending on where you are um in your health um, journey um you know and start to kind of respect your body respect food and, and start to kind of enjoy it a little bit more. It's not an easy journey sometimes if you've got a lot of bad habits um, in place, but you know, it can be done. And, you know, guys like us, we, you know, this is what we do. We, 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 we talk to people who've got all these bad habits and we can unravel them. Um, you know, we don't advise you and, and change your diet, but what we can do is unravel bad habits and educate you enough so you can understand that, that food you've got a problem with or whatever. Um, and then we'll, we can reintroduce that and, and help you to to be on better terms um, with those foods and with that way of eating. So I'm going to leave it there. I'm going to pass it over to the guys because I know I've been I've been there, waffly waffly waffly. Um, but yes, that's that's kind of my advice really. So just reach out to our three, and I'm sure um, by the end of listening to these two, um, you'll have a ton of information to go. So over to you, boys. Um yeah, I'll jump in if that's that's okay. So I, I think completely agree with you in terms of my knowledge, my understanding of eating disorders collectively is is limited. My experience of it myself is is limited. So I think it would be um, wrong of me to try and pass too much kind of comment and knowledge and opinion about because yeah. effectively that's what it would be uh, opinion about various eating disorders but what i can talk about is my own experience with disordered eating um yeah. through my journey of um of doing competition prep but also i want to talk about it from the perspective of some of the challenges that people have around food um, and eating in particular the relationships with food and just little bit, bits of advice that can help manage this and some of the pitfalls to 
to watch out for. So for me, my my experience of disordered eating is almost exclusively down to my competition prep, where for, I think I told you guys before, from like the beginning of November, it was 2019, right the way through till mid-March last year, we went into lockdown. I was eating the same five or six meals a day, every single day, seven days a week for however many months that is. And it created a lot of issues with food for me i would feel very guilty if i ate something that was off plan um, in fact the only times i ate off plan was as i've said before was christmas day and two occasions where i was told i could have a cheat meal um and if i didn't eat at a particular time if i didn't get a particular meal in i would freak out i would get very stressed if i had to bundle two meals together and it, it created a lot of negative and negativity around food in general and getting my meals in and staying on track. And the reason why I was doing it was because I needed to look a particular way, be in a particular condition on a particular day of the year. And you, when you have a finite period of time to work with, you unfortunately run out of options of being able to do things like a normal human. So you have to put yourself through immense pressure and immense stress but you keep telling yourself that the end result is going to be worth it. So you stick with it, you push on and, and you just try your, your best to effectively not go insane. And that for me was a big eye opener because I probably wrongly, no, not probably, definitely wrongly had only ever attributed eating disorders with typically women of a particular age group, sort of, you know, that late teens into early twenties where there's lots of social pressure to look a particular way. I, wrongly assumed that probably didn't affect guys probably you know if those who are fit and healthy and those that train and those that compete they're the, they're they are the pinnacle of health and really you're not you're 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 anything but that and i don't want to get into that side of things too much today but i just wanted to kind of share from my perspective i have felt firsthand what it's like to to demonize certain foods and label things as, a, as like off the table you can't have that and uh so Paul, what, what was your journey back from that i mean how did you get yourself back i i think what probably helped lockdown, wasn't it it was up to lockdown then um i think what what helped is going into lockdown and it created a lot of uncertainty most importantly for me which was probably a bit of a godsend it, it created a bit of um financial uncertainty so I wasn't in the position to be spending the same amount of money on buying endless amounts of, of chicken breast and lean steak mints to live off of I had to just kind of go back to what but buying what I could afford um and the, I'll be honest that the first few weeks of lockdown from a food perspective were quite difficult for me to readjust uh, it's 11 a.m I I need to have my steak yeah, veg it's it's now 1 p.m i need to have my chicken and rice and it, that took me a couple of weeks to get used to but i did find that the minute i settled back into eating a little bit more normally um i just i again i was helped by i've got a good understanding of nutrition i'm, I'm, I'm qualified in advanced sports nutrition i know the basic mechanics inside out so i took a lot of comfort from the fact that i i had to move into a maintenance phase phase so i was just like paying closer attention to my calories and allowing myself to eat things without worrying too much whereas for most people you don't get that you don't get that break from it like if you've got if, if you suffer from a form of disordered eating it's not like one day you go oh everything's changed for me i'm just going to go back to eating normal like that is your life whereas for me it was a very 
conscious decision that had created that issue. And once those goalposts had been moved and I was no longer aiming for something so specific, I was able to kind of move out of it. But for most people, it doesn't happen like that. And, and some of the biggest problems that we see is down to lots of misinformation out there, things being labeled as either exceptionally good foods, superfoods, and like, I've seen things before where they refer to foods as like negative calories, where you burn more calories consuming it than you do like processing it than is in it. And, and it's like, none of that actually exists. It's just bullshit that people put out there that creates this disconnection between the simple fact that our food is, is fuel to, to power our bodies and to keep us alive. And ultimately the way to combat. And again, I, I'm, I'm trying to be careful of how I phrase it because I know for those who suffer with disordered eating, it's, it, it is not straightforward. So it, what I say will sound straightforward and the intention is not to come across insensitive, but ultimately it's about being able to enjoy the food that you like in line with what your body needs and from a calorie perspective. And as people start to learn this, it can help with removing some of the guilt and shame when you have a basic understanding of actually you should just be trying to balance your calorie intake versus your energy expenditure for whatever your goal is whether it's to drop body fat stay the same build muscle you can start to enjoy foods that are typically bad foods according to the media or what have you and these things that you've perhaps created a bit of a stigma around and you feel guilty for having you can start to enjoy them a little bit more because you start to understand that actually having a, a Domino's isn't reason for you to then race to the toilet and make yourself sick because you you've had all this food and it's bad food. Actually you can, you can enjoy it and you can take comfort from the fact that doing it every now and then isn't going to fuck you up long-term. Yeah. And I think the, the trouble we have is as a health and fitness industry we have big names like your slimming wells and your weight watchers who do a great job of demonizing lots of food so that even if you're not doing slimming world or weight watchers or or doing keto or whatever in the back of your mind you have a list of things that you can't eat it's bad for you if you eat it's it you're... the invisible list isn't it yeah and, and i think we we'll build one up over time we do and, and yeah I don't think I have a single client who I haven't had a conversation with, maybe one or two, who I haven't had a conversation with around either, can I eat this or is this good for me or is this bad for me? And it's like, there's no good or bad foods, but the media has done a great job of making us think that there are. And I think the sooner people take that step back and they start to think, what do I want to achieve? What do, how, do I, you know, how do I want to feel? How do I how do I need to eat for what I'm looking to get out of my body? The easier it becomes to break free of some of the shackles, like the diet culture in general probably contributes more towards disordered eating than most things because most diets out there are very restrictive, extreme, short-term quick fixes. And if you take that approach, they expect you to have perfect adherence for a short period of time. Well, we, no one's perfect. Nobody's life runs perfectly smoothly. So perfect adherence is never going to happen, which again creates this negative connection between you and food. And I think for me, when I work with people and, and I've been very fortunate to work with um, clients who have had eating disorders in the past and see incredible progress 
in terms of their relationships with food, how comfortable they can get eating more calories, for example, and having calories put up week on week and see people thrive and begin to enjoy food again. Um, and I think that really comes from just understanding why you're eating it and that ultimately being able to take comfort in the fact that if you have something that's labeled bad by the, the industry or by the media, that it's not actually going to do much to you in, in isolation. Like you can eat junk food every now and then and not, not die. And I think the trouble we have is people's perceptions of what they need to do leads them into things like binging and purging where they, they, they try to eliminate stuff from their diet completely. And then when they realize they can't stick to it, they then go overboard and they, overindulge to make up for lost time and it's if you allow yourself to incorporate things that you like you can over time begin to push your boundaries a little bit become more comfortable with things that perhaps you've avoided or things that have been problem foods and you can start to improve that relationship but it comes from being able to not demonize food and be able to appreciate that all food is fuel and some food will be high calorie some food will be high nutrient but getting a balance of all of it enjoying you're eating stuff that you like to eat but being mindful of what what you're putting in your body in terms of the amount of calories is going to help in the long run and again just to some things that i'm seeing on social media which i don't think help there's a trend at the moment of the what i eat in a day and it's people who are typically very fit and very active and they're sharing their 10 10 meals eight in a day and for inspiration of what you of I struggle to know what to eat for lunch. Yeah, you might get some good ideas to try some new foods, but seeing what someone who burns 4,000 calories a day because they train twice a day and they're, you know, they're on a bulk eats in a day isn't necessarily going to help someone who's just starting on a journey who's perhaps suffered with disordered eating, is very nervous of eating certain things and wants to lose a bit of weight, wants to feel a bit better about themselves. Seeing that somebody else is eating 5,000 calories in a day isn't necessarily going to help. And I think little trends like this, although they probably come from a, a good place of trying to help show people, you can, you oh, look what you can eat and still be healthy. People need to appreciate that every journey is individual to that person themselves. Everyone have their own calorie requirements based on their goal, based on what they want to achieve and focusing on you, what you like, what you're comfortable with is going to ultimately help you be successful in the long run. And I think that's a key thing. And for anyone listening to this, who's, who's had a, uh, a, you know, a, an eating disorder or is suffering with one now, and is thinking some of what this guy said is good. He also sounds like a bit of a cunt because he's never had it. And he clearly doesn't fully understand. Like I fully get it. What I can say though, is as much as I haven't really suffered with a eating disorder, I have suffered with my mental health and recovery isn't linear. So much like your progress with fat loss isn't linear. It's not going to be that you drop a certain amount of weight each week. What you can do is strive for consistency in your actions, which over a period of time will build up to a bigger picture. And if you are recovering or you have recovered from having an eating disorder, take comfort from the fact that, do you know what? Some days you aren't going to be at your best. Some days you may notice some of the, the habits and some of the the triggers that you've suffered from in the past will will play on your mind a bit more but it that's totally okay and the biggest thing that you that i can encourage from a mental health perspective as someone who went from being very depressed anxious and suicidal in my early 20s to having about six or seven years of feeling brilliant and has, has now gone through a very similar cycle again over the last few months is to 
take comfort in how well you've done. Like I've, I've had a shit period with my mental health, but what I can also acknowledge and notice is how much better I've handled it this time around than first time around. So again, if people are listening to this and they're thinking, yeah, I've, I've done well, but I'm struggling a bit at the moment. I guarantee you're doing so much better than previously and just keep striving for those little bits of improvement. It doesn't need to be a lot. Just get a bit more comfortable each day, whether it's just having a little bit more food, whether it's just, you know, an extra meal or trying something you've not had for a long time and, and, and kind of take a bit of pressure off of yourself when it comes to your diet in general, it doesn't need to be perfect. And the sooner people realize and, and stop striving for the perfect anything and, and settle for just being consistently good at what they're doing. Like, I think that will take a lot of pressure off and that will certainly help with things. But, um, yeah, I just wanted to share from my perspective, my, you know, my story, I've, I've experienced what it's like to have a very poor relationship with food and put a lot of pressure on, on food for a particular reason. But I was lucky that mine was with a very specific goal in mind. And the minute I was out of that scenario, the, the problems kind of went away. Whereas I know for other people, it's something they do day in, day out. Well, exactly. And I do, I do actually think, I'm going to pass over to Tom now, but I do actually think that it is way, way more common than we think. Mm. So I'm going to pass it over to Tom oh. now. And what's your experience with either clients or yourself um, with regard to, I don't know, just this attitude towards food and eating in general? I mean, I mean, my... My experience is, I'll talk about my experience, I don't want to talk about anybody else's, but I do think that disorderly eating is, is very subjective as well, because I think it's normally a symptom to thoughts that you're having, insecurities that you're having, and everybody has their own way of managing nutrition. Everybody has their ways of doing things. They like certain foods, they dislike certain foods. Some people are more into food than others. Like I would say I'm not a foodie. I don't, I don't really get excited by food let's say like I enjoy a good meal but I don't get excited by certain foods some people do so I think that when we talk about disorderly eating it's in relation to how it controls your life and how it makes you feel and if you know if there's a certain way of eating that makes you very happy and generally does make you happy then go for it you know but I think it's when eating becomes a stressor in your life and the way you eat becomes a stressor in your life then that's when it becomes a bit disorderly but I don't think I'm going to sit here and say to you that that certain way of eating is bad if it's not one hurting your health and two, if it's not hurting your mental health, you know, physical and mental health, they're fine. That's just the way you like doing things. Like some people think the way I, I do things is quite extreme, but it actually helps my mental health and it helps my physical health because I'm so rigid with my diet, right? Because my experience from, I would say disorderly eating in comes from behaviors i think it's more of I, my, I think my behavior was disorderly rather than my actual uh, you know relationship let's say with food um i went from being you know a tennis player a pretty high level tennis player that i was training for hours and hours a day burning thousands of calories a day you know i was for a good four years or well, actually for a good six years i was playing six seven hours of tennis a day you know and that's that's a ridiculous amount of calories to be burning if you're looking at the average session I was doing, whenever I've tracked you on a heart rate monitor, as accurate as, as they can be, about 800 calories an hour. So it's like it's to overeat when you're training that, that level, it's almost impossible, right? And so the average person, you can't out-train a, a poor diet. Where, it, But if you're a high-level athlete, 
there's a good chance you might be able to, right? But that's that's a very small percentage of people. So so I I did I live my life through there, and you know, see when you're growing up as well, your parents have a lot to say and what food you eat and whatever, and so. After I finished my playing career around 23, 24, that was when, first of all, it was the first real time that I had to do my own food shopping because oh, I'd been in university or I'd been living in academies or on resorts for a long time, training and stuff. So like the food was all prepared for me. So then I, I get put into this, this situation where I'm buying my own food and now my my daily expenditure is dramatically different you know i was still going to the gym every day but i'm not training seven hours a day anymore so then what starts to happen is over a period of time my what was a very i was very proud of the way i looked and i you know i was very fit and i was very into my fitness i was very into being the fittest person on the team and being the fittest tennis player out there and very you know very very um yeah, very performance-based um, with with my physique. And then, obviously, I went into coaching and into working. And so then I'm just going to the gym and it starts being a bit more about lifting weights and stuff. And so my calorie expenditure is dramatically decreased. But but then at the same time, I'm having to choose my own foods. So then what starts to happen is my physique started changing. Without me really thinking about doing it or trying to change it, my physique starts to change, obviously, because when your energy balance goes through a dramatic change, then it's going to change, right? Now, then what happened to me was, well, I liked the way I looked when I was playing. I was very lean. I was very athletic. And then a year later, I'm a bit heavier and I'm a bit slug, more sluggish. And I'm, I'm, when I am playing, I feel, I feel a bit different. I feel as agile. And then just for, purely for aesthetics, I don't really like the way I'm looking anymore. So it, it starts knocking your self-confidence. And I'm a young guy that you know that wanted to look good and but I had no education at that point no knowledge of nutrition no knowledge of anything because again when you're when I was training why would I need to know about nutrition because I could eat whatever I wanted and it was just going to be used as fuel very quickly right I you know a couple of and a lot of time when you're an athlete as well food is only mentioned as like hey you make sure you get your protein and hey make sure you have your carbs for you for training and stuff and so like I didn't really know what carbs so what a good carb source was but i knew the basics like make sure you get your rice and your pasta and all that kind of stuff in right and so then again now i'm i'm having to do this myself and i'm seeing changes negative changes in my head and so then what do i start doing i start looking to social media and stuff and i start going to yeah i start looking at the very basic information that's very easy to be access access for people that who you don't know where to look so basically the shit advice and so the first thing that happened was they were everyone was pumping about protein so my diet became extremely high in protein i mean i'm talking like probably 80 percent of my calories were protein right and you think the protein is this magic um, i didn't know what macronutrient was at the time but you think this protein is, is, is this magic thing you can overeat and you can't get fat and protein but fat and carbs make you fat so you need to limit them and you need to eat as much protein as possible right so that was the first thing that that behavior that I was trying to get back to my physique before that was the first thing that started making me have an unhealthy relationship with food because just having one macronutrient is your dominant overbearing thing is not healthy. Carbohydrates and fats have are very essential in our, in our, well, carbohydrates are not so as, as essential as fats are, but 
again, for someone who's active, carbohydrates are very important. Then I started to, you know, more stuff came out of, you know, I wanted, it wasn't really working because I was still, again, consuming a lot of food. I didn't realize my energy balance. So my expenditure had gone down, but my idea of how much food I could eat, I thought was going to be very similar. I didn't know about energy balance. So I was overeating on protein. So my physique wasn't changing. So then what did I do? Then I went even more drastic into cutting carbs out completely, right? Because carbs make you fat. And then when that didn't work, I was like, right, well, the only thing I really know what to do is I need to, I need to exercise more. So I started doing excessive amount of exercise. And I started to then think that, oh, I could out-train anything. Anything I ate, I had to burn off. And this went on for two or three years, right? And then all of a sudden, just, I, 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 nothing really changed. Nothing really worked. No knowledge of, um, no knowledge of training or nutrition, really. And then I gave up for about a year. I said, I don't care anymore. Like, no. and my physique didn't really change. <laughs> yeah, I just said, well, no. Oh, no. Anymore, I'm, I'm coaching. So maybe that's just the way it is. And then I got, then I met a guy that was a trainer that was a very, very knowledgeable guy. And he gave me this, the first glimpse of, of, of education and as soon as I got that, I went straight on and I wanted more education, more education, more education. And I never looked back. And I think, again, like my, my disorderly eating was more of bad behaviors towards the total energy balance package. Yeah. Um, another thing I, I'll quickly say is I also didn't prioritize when I was going to eat in a day. And I was very busy. I was very, had a very like stressful career at that point. So I was eating a lot. I was, wasn't really eating much in the day. And I was so hungry by the end of the day, I would just overeat. Yeah. Because I was like, well, I haven't eaten anything. I was just gonna, I was going to eat until I'm full. And if I'd actually eaten more periodically throughout the day, I would have been able to keep my, my control of the, the amount of food I was eating because my hormones would have been a bit more in whack. Of course. Um, and also but, you, can, you can overeat on healthy food. That's of course you can. I was overeating on protein, you know, like... <laughs> The, the number one macronutrient I was overeating on it because again, I was, I was hungry because I wasn't eating properly throughout the day. And then I was just eating a ton of protein, which has calories in it, which is going to knock me out into a negative calorie, you know, balance. So I think my biggest thing there, my biggest thing to every, anyone who's listened to this, if, if this is something that you've gone through, if you're someone who particularly has an unhealthy relationship with exercise, using exercise as this thing to try and counteract anything you've eaten, or the fact that you are just trying to eliminate macronutrients out of your diet. I've done both of those. Both of those don't work. We know it doesn't work. But what I will say is, once you understand the basics of nutrition, I felt the power came back to me. I yeah. felt like I took control of things again. And now I feel like I never stress about food. I never, like, I'm very structured. I'm very structured just because that's how my personality works. But I never stress about what I'm eating. I was always pre-planned. That doesn't stress me out at all. It actually gives me control and power over it. And yeah, and I think, you know, some people might say that, hey, because you're so disciplined with what you eat, you might have a disorderly way of eating. I would say, no, that works for me. So it's, and that, that's actually what brings me great mental strength in the fact that I don't have this cloud of uncertainty over me when it comes to food now. And I, I completely control what's going in. And so if I want the pizza, or I want the donut, I can have it. 
So I think then, I mean, if you all agree with me, we've just come into the end of our time now, but I think the most important thing for everybody is uh, you need to get some sort of basic education on, yes, on, 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 on the very, very basics of nutrition. Start from the absolute basics, um, what your body needs, and then adapt that to obviously your age, your sex, you know, where, where you are um, in your general health, because obviously that needs to be taken into account very much. So, um, but yeah, I think I think it's been really interesting. Obviously, all three of us have, have got quite different stories to share. But um, if you are listening and you've got any of these issues we've talked about today, please, please reach out to us. Uh, drop us a message through Instagram or, or through our websites or uh, any other way, like send a pigeon with a little note around his little leg. Um, but yeah, so we're, you know, we're open to help you and have that discussion. So um, and have a have an amazing week. And we'll we will you'll hear us again next week. Peace out, people. Love you guys. Thanks for everything. Bye. Bye.